Welcome to the Tell Janice Radio Show, where you will hear inspiring stories about life, love, and labor from amazing women to help lift you up. Now, here's your host, Janice. Thanks very much, and welcome to the show. I'm so happy that you're listening, and I'm sure you're going to learn a lot from our guest today. But before we get started, I wanted to remind you that if you know of a fabulous female that you would like me to give a shout-out to with a few words of encouragement, acknowledgement, or congratulations, please let me know their names by clicking on the link at telljanice.com. My guest today is Joanne Duggan of Plan C Strategies. She's an emotional intelligence expert out of Lexington, Massachusetts, and Joanne is in the business of helping people help themselves to achieve authentic success and outrageous happiness. Joanne has been on the show before, and it's such a pleasure to have a return guest, and her topic today will be about why we struggle with all the decisions we have to make on an hourly basis and why we get so overwhelmed. The segment will also focus on a handful of easy and pragmatic steps to help us decipher the real problems and clearly see what is the most beneficial outcome. It's such a pleasure, Joanne, to have you on again. Welcome. Well, thank you, Janice. It's a pleasure to be on your show. Thank you for having me. Well, that's wonderful, and we like to have our guests um, start off with telling a little bit about themselves. Can you start with that? Yes. Uh, I am a psychotherapist, a mentor, a coach, a teacher, a trainer, and what I have done since 1988 when I finished up my graduate school degree in counseling psychology was to focus in on working with people so that they truly are able to feel as if their greatest success in life is getting to a place where they are able to handle uh, what happens in their lives well, their thoughts, their feelings, their beliefs, so that their experiences are, in fact, uh, quite positive, again, in terms of how they handle it. And that's what it's really all about, because life is going to throw us some curveballs all the time. So it's really, in the end, how you how you react, right? Uh, well, again, it's uh, that's one of the things that we have talked about in the past, and the word react, because I'm very focused on the actual words that we use. Um, uh, you know, again, it is so important for people to realize that just a few words, which are much harder to say than a lot of words, but just a few words are very powerful and that it is important to choose your words. So, for instance, you just used the word react. Re- what I use is the word handle. React is, in fact, what people do. As we'll be talking about decision-making processes, a big part of why people get so stuck in making decisions is that something happens and they react to it. And their decision-making process has to happen in the midst of uh, elevated heart rate, uh, clouded thinking, Um, again, uh, a a fight-or-flight response, because that's the place where I start to teach people from, is it's not outside what's going on that is the perspective from which to solve your problems, okay, or make your decisions. Again, back to the topic at hand today. Mm -hmm. What it is is it's 
looking inside yourself, the most important thing that we must understand about ourselves is that we are primal beings. And our brains have spent thousands and thousands of years keeping us alive. And so the reaction comes from the trigger in the brain to fight or flight. And so what I encourage people is to realize that Breathe in and breathe out. Plancy strategies is what I call my, the basic framework and methodology in which I work with people. And Plancy strategies are five easy steps. And the first one is uh, to understand, again, the brain. So the first Plancy strategy is breathe in and breathe out because the only way to calm down the reactive brain is to feed it with oxygen. That's it. It's a primal need. So breathe. So when people say to you when you're upset, well, breathe. Well, it's impossible to breathe because, you know, you're freaking out, okay? And everybody says, don't tell me to breathe. Don't tell me to calm down. I want to say to people, okay, well, observe the fact that you are reacting. Your brain is doing what it is most beneficial to do, which is to keep you alive. Having said that, this might not be a situation where, in fact, it's life or death. So breathe in, breathe out. Calm the brain down. Number two is smile just because that feels better, okay, and it's good for the skin. Um, Number three, which is why I'm articulating this piece in particular, is what I say to people, it's not what's happening. It's how you handle it that determines your entire experience of your life. And then number four is identify and define your values. And number five is base all of your actions on your identified and well-defined values. So back to it's how you handle it. And it is, and again, I want to encourage people when they say, well, I reacted, stop, breathe in, breathe out. That's your fight or flight. How are you handling it? Well, I like that. That, um, and thanks for the correction with the react with uh, play, replacing it with handle. That makes much more sense to me. And I have to back up a little bit because I know that we um, talked. We had a three-part segment on fear and worry, and that you really talked a little bit about that just in the last few seconds. And um, it's helped in my life with the breathe in and breathe out and the smiling. And I've brought that to people in my life. Just wake up and smile, and that's really helped me, Joanne. I'm so happy to hear that, Janice, because, it, it, again, I mean, what we talked about, and, and, and let me just touch on that since you just mentioned it, because it's a huge piece, again, about decisions, and that is fear happens. You can't stop it. That's the brain. It's always looking for threats, okay, constantly in an unconscious way. The, the, the most primal part of your brain, your limbic system and other pieces, but just especially that part of your brain is always on the lookout to keep you alive. It's trying to do you a favor. The thing is, though, that what happens is when that gets triggered, where our brains go to is worry. Worry are thoughts that we have and that we can control. They will happen too, but that is what we can, in fact, address. So the fear shows up. It's observing that, and I offer to people with curiosity. Let go of the self You know, it's like how many times you do, oh, stupid, oh, that was so stupid. 
stop talking to yourself like that. Go, oh, there I go. I'm afraid of something. And again, there's a lot to be afraid of, Janice. Okay, <laughs> real and imagined. Real. There's a lot to be afraid of. So, um, so again, I want people to understand as we now move into talking about the decision-making process. Fear happens. You can't stop it. Worry are negative thoughts, and that you are in fact in control of. Well, absolutely. And so. Um, so let's move into decision-making, okay? Let's do it. Let's do it. Because the <laughs> thing that I hear from people is they, what I hear often, because I'm very decisive, as people would say it, okay? They say, how do you know? And I look, that's, I don't, well, I hear my clients and, and other people saying, I have such a hard time making a decision. The, more, the thing that I have really heard is, you are so decisive. And I have heard it in a positive way, and I can't tell you how many times I've heard it in a negative way, like you're so opinionated kind of thing. So I want to offer to you there's all this stuff around making decisions that floats in our culture about how other people react or handle how you make decisions. Does that are you with me on this? Oh, I completely. Go ahead. Okay. All right. So what I want to do is I want to, again, reiterate what I said just a couple of minutes ago, which is the outside world is going to happen. It's not about looking at that and then saying, all right, so that's going on. It's about looking inside yourself. So whatever is going on that other people might do, say, respond, handle, whatever your decision-making process, I want to offer to people to first go inside themselves and say, I want to learn how to understand how I can make the best decisions. And you said it in your introduction for me, because, again, language, the words are so key. And that is the outcome is that is most beneficial for me it's not that the decision is going to be most beneficial it's the process that works for again the individual so starting with that i'm going to go in two different directions today i'm going to talk about decision making but i'm also going to talk about a concept about what problems are and, and and a different shift in perspective on how we problem solve Okay? Okay. You with me? All right. I'm great. with you. Can't wait to hear. Okay. All right. So let me talk first about the reason we have decisions is we have a problem in front of us, okay? Or we have something in front of us. But let's just call it a problem, okay? Because that's usually what it is. And the bigger the perception is of the problem, the harder people, a harder time people have making a decision about what to do. Okay? Right. What I want to offer is, and I've done a lot of reading on this, everything that I was reading about, you know, decision-making skills and problem-solving and whatnot, falls under the category of what I define as situational problem-solving. So what it is is you, 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 you say, okay, um, I have a problem. 
my uh, my kid is on their phone all the time, and I cannot communicate with them. And I have no idea how to, what kind of, you know, what do you do about this? In fact, that's what my book is now turning into, is uh, survival skills for families, communication in the age of social media, because it's the biggest thing that people are dealing with, and they have no idea how to make decisions about how to handle it. Um, you know, again, within the context of the family. So you have this problem, all right? The kid's got the phone. What are you going to do about that? All right, now let's forget about what the, the you know, let's leave that, okay? What I want to focus on, again, is situational problem solving versus the alternative, which is what I call thematic problem solving. Thematic problem solving is, I'm a parent, this is my kid. How do I handle parenting this child? And so it's not about the phone. It's about a larger picture of what kind of parent am I going to be with this particular child, because anyone that has more than one child knows that they are all completely different, and they all require some need more physical, some need more intellectual. There's the quiet ones, the readers, the athletes, the screamers, the criers. They're all we're all different. <laughs> so again, right. as the parent, so the situation becomes irrelevant. It's not about my kids on the phone on social media. It's Okay, this child is somebody who is very social. This is somebody who is, and again, and you run through who is this about your child, and how do you want to parent them? So again, going back to the Plan C strategies, at that point, you start looking at your values. Is this a child that you can speak openly with? Is this a child who uh, benefits because they're very uh, inward, that really writing to them is a better way to communicate. So then what you do, you know, so again, you look at what's the best way that I know how to communicate. Then what you do is, and this, so again, you're looking at it as a whole theme. It's not the phone. It's not social media. It's everything. And you approach the child based on the way in which you have decided is most beneficial to this child, again, based on your values and your actions backing your values. Well, that is a perfect example. And I'll be your guinea pig. So I have a 16-year-old that cannot get off his phone. So we, you know, I have him to dinner and he's on his phone and he, so like lead me through those steps with my 16 year old. Okay. Well, you have to give me just a tiny bit more information. He comes to the table uh, with the phone. What happens then? Um, I usually say, let's put our phones away. Cause sometimes I'm on my phone too, but we're not going to have dinner or breakfast or lunch, you know, while on our phones. So we try that and then he'll, revert to going on his phone. He's kind of an introvert too, Joanne. Yep. 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 Okay. Breathe in, breathe out. Sit up straight, mama. That's what I say to you. Okay? <laughs> it's not what's happening. It's how you handle it. What I hear is 
your value in this. And again, if we were in a, a longer conversation, I would ask you more questions. Or, so please mm-hmm. understand that I'm going to leap with this. Sure. Um, so what I'm hearing is that mealtime with the family is a time to gather and connect with each other and be fully present. Exactly. That's what I hear, okay? Mm -hmm. So first of all, the number one thing that uh, is so important and is such a complicated piece of 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 the social media phone thing is that, as you said, and it was a key piece, well, I might be on my phone, too, Mm-hmm. Breathe in, breathe out. So what I offer is that you go to your, because 16, they're old enough, you know, and if he's introvert, that means you have to find the fewest amount of words to give the biggest message that you can. So what I would do is in a separate place, I would call the family together and say, social media is taking over our lives. We all know that. And you always lead with a question. This is a part of the decision-making process. Even though you have ideas and thoughts about what you want to have happen, it's important to hear other people and show respect. So -hmm. you say, let's talk about how we're going to handle how we all use our phones as a family when we're together. What do you think about that? Now, your son as an introvert is likely to sit there and go, we should just use them all the time, okay? <laughs> exactly. Right? Okay. Oh, yeah. He's a teenager. Of course he's going to say that because, again, what we need to remember is this is all they know. They have no memory of people walking down the street, not everyone on their phone. No memory at all, as far as they're concerned, for at the beginning of time, everyone walks down the street on their phones. So for him, that makes perfect sense. That's reality. So back to what do you do? You then say, because you're the parent, I totally get that that's where you're coming from. And you validate their experience and what's happening to them. You give them that teachable moment of you need to understand from my life perspective and your life perspective is totally different. Let's talk about how we're going to work together as a family. And then you create that structure. And what I would say is if you can't, if that, that at the very least you're the one that ends up saying, I just want you to know, I'm putting my, I'm turning my, when we have dinner together, I'm turning my phone off, and you get, and you communicate it. I'm going to turn it off at 5 o'clock, and I will not turn it on until 8 o'clock, and I, and that's how I'm going to handle it, because I want you to know that I am fully present for you. Well, I think that's probably the key, is to be fully present, and to, to actually, you know, um, move forward with that. Absolutely. So it's very important for grown-ups to model behavior that they want. You're not looking to create a battle here. What you're looking to do is to start a conversation. Part of the problem that happens in families around communication and decision-making is that the parents decide what they're going to do, and then they react in the moment so it's like you know and then and the rules become very flexible it's like 
he's on the phone at dinner. Well, I'm on the phone at dinner, too, is my, you know, the, the kid's on the phone, okay? I'm on the phone, too, because it's really convenient for me. So tonight I'm not going to get mad. But tomorrow night I told you no phone at the table. Turn it off, okay? The other, which, number one, doesn't work, okay? And then you have a miserable situation. And why would you want to sit there and talk to a parent like that anyway? I'd go on my phone if my parents were going to yell at me. The other thing also is what people do, and this is a huge shift in perspective, and again about decision-making, and that is if you take the phone away, they have learned nothing. All they've done is they're mad, and they're using other people's devices in order to communicate, and then they get the phone back which is not really a phone, let's call it what it is, which is it is a hand-held computer. It is not mm-hmm. a phone. And then, they, and then they're back doing it. So what I want to offer is it's about communication and long-term conversation. We are mm-hmm. all learning. Again, back to the social media piece, which is where my book, again, has just completely focused People have no idea how to handle it, and they are freaking out. And it's 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 brand new, really. And mm-hmm. um, and the 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 impact, the kind of what. While I think that uh, um, uh, uh, a little hands-off parenting is a really good idea, I happen to be, fall in that court. Okay, I am you know anti-helicopter parenting. Um, having said that, some people have to do it, so I respect their decision. Um, but I think that the piece around loving your family, communicating with them, and learning together how to speak to each other face-to-face because that's the art that we are losing. And everything that I'm reading is our kids want us to talk to them. They want us to teach them how Mm -hmm. to talk. And so I do want to offer also, your son's just doing what he's really good at at the dinner table, which is being on his hand computer, okay? So it's about... and, and. And people, the art of conversation is different than talking to each other. It's not about, you know, so what was your day like and da-da-da-da. It's learning how to engage in a bigger, you know, one of the things that we talked about at our family a number of years ago, which was very interesting, was my daughter was taking a photography class. And for the first time, the, the teacher pointed out how many electrical lines there are. And all of a sudden, my daughter was like, they're electrical. It ruins all of my pictures. She then got into a whole conversation about how that happened and burying lines and whatnot. So, again, it's taking that and teaching uh, how to have that conversation, especially around eating. So, mm-hmm. um, so let's talk about then how do you make those kinds of decisions about what you're going to do, how you're going to handle your conversations. So you go from situational problem-solving to thematic. Again, 
it's not really about social media. It's about how are you and your family going to handle the shift and changes that are happening in our society around communication so, so that you remain connected to each other in a real, honest, authentic way. You know, Joanne, that is so key because we've all come to the realization that the social media and our handheld computers have completely changed everything, you know, Um, and I'm, I'm glad. Are you focusing on that in your book, did you say? That is what my book has become, yes, all about. The, the, the title of the book is Survival Tools for Families, and the subtitle is Communication in the Age of Social Media. Because, again, what, as I said, where I begin with is you've got to understand your brain and how your brain is primed. And so what, what did we, how did humanity and how did we get from where we started, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago? Well, the first thing was tools. And then the next thing was communication. And, the commu- and, and again, and this shift, the, I, I have a chart that I'm, I'm preparing to put into the book to show the speed at which communication has shifted and changed. You know, when you think about the written word first, then you go, and let's just speed up to, like, relatively recent human history. The telephone was in the 1800s, okay? Took 15 Mm -hmm. more years, then the radio came, okay? Again, and then it took, you know, another 50 years, and then there was television, okay? In three years, we've gone from, you know, Phones being phones to Twitter and Facebook and, you know, the Kardashians, because they're the masters. Donald Trump is the god, literally. That's how he's being called in the media now as I'm reading it. He's the god of social media. Um, I read Bernie Bernie Sanders was the king. In any case, um, so back to – and and what's what's coming from what my research is – is showing me is robotics. So everything is going to be completely individualized and your handheld computer, you will tell it to do something which then will tell everything else to do what you want it to do. From your heat, which is already happening, to your lights, to your car, which is already happening, and it's going to keep on going. And what happens in that dynamic is that people lose the ability to tolerate the discomfort that happens in real-life communication because if I, if I say to you, go get me a glass, you can say no. Well, the more I you know, say to a thing, to a robot, go get me a glass, and it says, okay, I'm going to get you exactly the glass you want right now because you're my whole thing. And again, and we're already in the beginning of that inability to tolerate the the, the human connection. So, um, so again, it, it comes back to that uh, thematic versus situational problem solving, and the key of human human to human verbal and physical communication. 
Let me ask you this, keeping all of that in mind, where do you see like our society from a communication standpoint in let's say 15 years, 10 to 15 years? I have no idea. I know it's a little scary to me. You know, uh, because it's moving so fast, it's on, you can't, who would have, if you had said, um, you know, oh, people will, you know, the the major way that people are going to be communicating in four years is in this thing where it's 140 characters. Mm-hmm. I said, what are you kidding? Yeah, no, everybody's going to sell stuff. Everybody's going to communicate. Everybody's going to, I'd say, no, that's not going to happen. Well, we didn't see so, this coming. You know, I and we again, didn't and whole... Twitter is, it's just, it's phenomenal to read about that. So I, I don't, I, you know, that's not my, my bailiwick, so I don't know. I do have a sense of what I'm reading and what is coming and what is happening now. And again, and then it comes back to how do we decide how to stay connected? Because no matter what, we are creatures of community. We were never, ever out there solo. We always gathered together. We had to. We wouldn't make it. And the same thing is true now. We must connect with each other. So in terms of the decision-making process, if you go, if you remove the situational, which is I'm going to make a decision based on each individual thing as it shows up, and you say, this is who I am, this is what kind of a person I am, this is what I believe, again, identifying and defining your values. Then if all your actions are based on that, all you do is, if you sit there and you say, okay, the most important thing for me as a mother with my son is unconditional love. Okay, let's just take that one. So there he is on his phone, and you're ready to just, like, you want to just grab the phone, okay? You can't help but be, you know, again, you're afraid that he's never going to, you know, come out of his shell or whatever, and the fear then turns into worry, which then turns into anger or some other kind of negative reaction, and that's where we, that's what normally happens. I want to offer to people is you sit there and you're always looking at your child from a perspective of unconditional love. You, that's your focus. And so there he is at the table. And yes, of course you're frustrated by this. But you observe yourself with curiosity saying, there's my son. That's what he's doing. That's what's happening now. It's his culture. Breathe in, breathe out smile. It's not what's happening. It's how I handle it. I'm going with thematic problem solving. My value is unconditional love. My action right now is, and I have to tell you where I end up with my kid most of the times in those situations is, and literally, because, you know, we're all frustrated as grown-ups and parents. I look at her and I say, I love you so much. And she'll look up from her phone because my daughter's into the triple screening thing. The TV's on, the computer's on her lap, and the phone's on. <laughs> okay, do you ever have that? Because that's what I have. Oh, yeah. And that makes her insane than anything, because I raised her. She didn't watch TV until she was two. Okay, we have one TV in our house in the middle of an open floor plan, and whenever she watches something, I watched it with her, and I editorialized. Even PBS I editorialized. So, um, you know, I mean, I really thought I was teaching her how, like, not to do this. 
So there she is on three screens, and she looks up at me, and she smiles at me, and she says, I love you too, Mom, okay? And that's where the converse, and sometimes that's enough to just let it go because we had that moment of connection. Other times for me, because one of the values that's very important for me is to have a good sense of humor, so I'll look at her and I'll go, man, how many eyeballs do you have on your face with three things to look at? <laughs> you know, that's a perfect example. Perfect. Eyeballs, you know, she's got very big eyes. So, again, I go with the value of humor. I go with the value of compassion and understanding that this is her reality and keeping her from it. And, again, I'm lucky. My daughter's t- almost 20. I'm working with a lot of people now who have 8-, 9-, and 10-year-old kids, and they have handheld computers. And what do you do with an 8-year-old? That's a whole separate thing, and that is becoming one of my areas of expertise at this point because there's so many people that are entering into this. And, again, and their kids are on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and everything else. So breathe well, in, breathe I, out, and smile. <laughs> well, I do those two very well. I've been since I talked to you the first time, probably last year. Uh, it's been a big part of my life. It's really helped. I appreciate that, and I also appreciate that you mentioned regarding our children that you know, for example, taking the phone away isn't going to solve the problem, and. Um, I appreciate that because a lot of parents are into um, punishments and that kind of uh, kind of parenting, but I don't think, like in this situation with my son, I don't think that would help. It do- well, it doesn't help. First of all, again, the whole problem with these handheld computers is everything is quiet. There's no real speaking. So... What you're doing is you're taking away something that you don't really know what's going on, and then when they get it back, they're going to, it's again, our job is to figure out how are we going to use it and how are we going to teach our children how to use it. Exactly. And punishing, and, and one, of the, one of the personal experiences that I come from is, you know, I mean, I was obviously born way before any of this was happening, but we had, you know, I grew up where there was TV, and we had one black and white TV. In any case, I was only allowed to watch an hour of TV a week, okay? And that's Monday through Sunday. I mean, you know, like all week, an hour. And uh, whereas my father watched TV from 7.30 at night until he went to bed. I remember lying in bed and yelling to him to, to come and, you know, kiss me. The next commercial, I'll be in at the next commercial. That was a night <laughs> thing in my life, okay? I'll come kiss you tonight at the next commercial. Really? Okay, so I was allowed to watch. My mother was never much of a TV watcher. She was always a big reader. And my father watched TV all the time. My bro- Again, my brother and I had the same, you know, restraint. We were only allowed to watch one hour a week. Now, irrespective of what my bad choices were, which I can tell you what it was, okay, like Hullabaloo, okay, and Gilligan's Island, that dates me. Um, but having said that, what, when I grew up and I finally got a TV when I was in my 20s, I didn't understand how to use the TV. I watched. The first two years I had a TV, I just sat glued to it. I mean, I'd watched ev- 
I was watching the Today Show first thing in the morning. I was watching soap operas in the late afternoon. I couldn't turn this off. What my parents didn't teach me was how do you watch television so that it is a benefit to you because it's a phenomenal tool. And our handheld computers are phenomenal. But how do we use them so that they are not destructive? Because that's where it's heading. The trolling that's going on, the bullying online, the negative. I have a a very good friend, um, a child of some good friends of ours, and uh, she and I get together, you know, a few times a year, and we go out and uh, Wednesday, uh, I don't know, last week one day, we we went out and uh, we met in downtown Boston, and we walked about, I don't know, three or four miles and went to a you know really great pizza place here in our north end, which is just wonderful. In any case, she's all over social media, okay? And we were talking about the election, and she was saying that she felt she's got a very successful YouTube channel, and she said that she really wanted to do a YouTube about bringing people together, and we were talking about that. And one of the things that she said was that she was most nervous about it because she knew how many comments were going to be negative, and she wasn't sure whether or not she personally could handle all of the negative comments that would come from her posting a video on that because she has so many followers. And I looked at her and I was like, are you kidding? I had no idea. And she started explaining to me what her one site gets in terms of the kinds of negative commenting. And it's rampant. And I knew it, but to hear it from a kid that's in it and doing it, again, allegedly under what one would call successfully. And oh, there's a lot of examples of people like that. You know, I, right? I inter- it's yes. rampant. Yes. So, um, and she ultimately didn't post. Because I'm, you know, I'm one of her, you know, the people that she feeds to. So I texted her the other day. I said, so you decided against it? She said, I couldn't handle it. I couldn't handle risking the idea of all of the negativity. Mm-hmm. So, again, how do we make, and, and, and I'm using that as a particularly painful uh, point that we are all facing. Again, it doesn't matter the age. does not matter. Everybody's in this all over the world. Well, and I'm glad that you mentioned the the trolling and the bullying because that is, as you mentioned, um, rampant in our society with all the social media. And I personally, if I post after the elections, I thought twice against posting, you know, a video. And I'm not going to talk about my views here, but and then sure enough, you know, you go ahead and be brave, and then you have to really step up and and take whatever the consequences are so i can i can hear about you know i understand what your friend was going through it's yes, something exactly. new for all of us i mean we're all subject to it i mean that was just mm-hmm. you know hearing it a 17 year old you know kid who again mm-hmm. very successful on youtube and instagram and all of that i'm not going to give out her name but you know she is you know she's making money at it 
So, mm-hmm. um, you know, so, so back to a successful user and to hear her. And, again, it comes back to decision-making. It isn't, I'm not going to let my kid go on YouTube or no Instagram, no Facebook, or I'm going to follow you, and that's the only way that you can do this. Because, number one, our kids know how to avoid detection. They are masters at this. They know more than we do. And, um, and again, and that's not going to work. It's about what, it's, again, how do you use it? Thinking about the consequences understanding what are the benefits and again and making it based the decisions being based on a thematic problem solving approach which is how are we as a family going to handle things are we going to be the family that yells and screams are we going to be the punishing family are we going to be the family that's just going to say you know what i can't do this which is totally understandable and i'm going to figure out social media for me and i'm going to let my kids figure it out for themselves i mean any of these are and and as a last piece what i also want to say in terms of a language thing and this is decisions come from choices i really want to stress to people the proper statement is, what are my choices? Because a, a, a synonym for choice is option. And it's not make good choices, it, because you would never say make good options. What it is is make good decisions. The piece, and, the, and, and a, you know, look at all of your choices. Look at all of your options. And then... Make a decision based on all of the choices. When people say make a good choice, then that means that people are already limiting their thinking to only coming up with something that maybe is going to be acceptable and what is that? No. You know, my daughter and I had a conversation the other day and she was dealing with having to make, again, a decision. I said, all right, so what are your choices? She was like, well, I could go to the, you know, professor or, uh, I don't know, I guess I could go to the professor. I said, yeah. I said, you know, you could also hop on a plane and go to Europe. She was like, yeah, that, I like to do that. I was like, excellent, let's put that on the list. <laughs> and uh, going to the professor was the right thing, you know, was ultimately the decision that she made. But we played with it. And then we played with, and what are your choices of what you're going to say? All right, now what's your decision based on that? And one of the options was, I hate this class. She got to say it. I hate this class. <laughs> and that's so so important. That, so that wasn't going to be a decision. So again, right. what I really want to stress is thematic problem solving based on your values and your actions rather than situational, deciding what it is that is most important to you, being the person that does what you decide is most important, looking at all of your choices. Again, it's not about making good choices. It's about seeing all your choices, all your options, and making the best decision that you possibly can, and then understanding that life keeps changing. But you keep well, going I, back again and again. 
Well, I like that you've given us all some tools and really a methodical way of handling our decision-making process. And once again, um, can you uh, talk about real quickly the survival tools for the family, which is your new book coming out, when it's going to come out, and what we can look for in it? Um, uh, Survival Tools for Families, again, will be the title. The subtitle is Communication in the Age of Social Media. Um, uh, the answer to when is it coming out is an excellent, excellent question. Um, if people get in touch with me, I will put them on my list to notify them uh, soon, uh, within the next you know few months. But uh, it is quite difficult writing a book I have found, and I am stepping up to the challenge. I also have decided, given that social media is what my subject is, and the impact of social media on our recent presidential election, I have gone back and am doing continued research to try and understand what families are going to be grappling with right now because of the divisiveness that is happening and how do people handle that during the holidays. I've been reading in the past day or two about families that are canceling their Thanksgiving so that they do not have to speak to one another. Wow. And um and again, I uh so I've 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 just uh, I was moving forward at rapid speed to getting to the final piece and then the election happened and I feel that it is so so important to pay attention to the role that social media had in this particular election. Um and so I'm, you know, I'm I'm adding that in so that has what is pushed off the the finish date. I'm not quite sure. Um, by the time I finish doing the research and uh, and 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 metabolizing is the word that comes to mind, but um, you know, and digest it, um, and then figure out a way to 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 how do how do I handle that piece because I feel that it is so very very current and so very critical. Um, and uh, and again, it's about communication for me. You know, the outcome. Um, you know, again, it's not a political conversation that we're having right now, but it's how do we speak to each other? How, how do we communicate in real time? And canceling Thanksgiving is like saying, I'm going to take your phone away for two weeks, okay? It's not going to work. So, um, oh, that's very sad. Yeah. Oh, it's incredible. Well, I, the the research that I'm doing now is just blowing my mind. I mean, it's I, I you know that's a whole other show of, of of you know again the role of social media, the power of it, and how it was used, um, and and the outcome. And uh, in any case, I have all kinds of interesting information that I've been gathering from that. Um, my practice right now is open for people who are interested in making. Uh, the kinds of changes and learning about what I'm, what we've discussed today in particular. So uh, I am uh, open right now for uh, – I have a few openings for private clients. So if anyone is interested, they can reach out to me at 617-584-7001. Again, 617-584-7001. Seven zero zero one. It's a wonderful time now as we're entering into the holidays, and to look at it really as self-care. 
of because the 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 impact as you described just remembering breathing in and out and smiling first thing in the morning is having a huge impact on your life it's amazing when you take a very simple system and focus on it how much change can happen um, uh, in all kinds of ways. And that really is the key to my work, is to have people have skills so that they inside themselves know how to handle themselves really well. And as a result, their stress goes down, their health goes, you know, becomes better, their relationships improve, their clarity about their purpose in life can shift dramatically. And um, and I, you know, um, so I'm open to private clients right now. Well, that's good to know. And it's been such a pleasure to have you on again, Joanne. And you can reach Joanne at, also at Duggan, And it's J-O-A-N-N-E-D-O-U-G-A-N.com. Thank you so much for being on again, Joanne. You're very, very welcome, Janice. Thank you so much for all that you're doing to help heal the world. I so appreciate your platform, and you're wonderful. So thank Uh, you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I want to have you on again because the social media um, topic is so relevant right now. But have a great day, and thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Ladies, I am so happy that you tuned in today and learned from our amazing, fantastic female guests, and I hope you recognize this as an opportunity to pass their knowledge on to your daughters and friends and share the wisdom of the ages. I'll talk to you again soon, and in the meantime, let's lift each other up, spread the love, and share an attitude of gratitude. You've been listening to the Tell Janice Radio Show. If you'd like to be a guest or suggest a guest for the show, Or if you would like to nominate a fabulous female for a shout-out by Janice on the live show, please visit www.telljanice.com. Please share this episode with your social network and help us lift women up. Join us next week for another episode of Tell Janice. How do you help business owners think differently about their businesses? Well, uh, you know, I think that there's a range of business owner, right? So, and I provide a couple of different services. On the, on the coaching and consulting side of my business, I think that's what I truly do is, is I help to educate. I think that's the key word, educate business owners on both their opportunities as well as I open their eyes up to what they need to commit to. Uh, certainly when it comes to a personal brand uh, and certainly when it comes to their own business if, if it's a smaller business, right? So, right. you know, I, I educate them on their opportunities. I help them to uncover and really visibly see, you know, who their target audience is online, what their online behaviors are, how to engage them in an authentic way, which is not a piece of cake. You know, it's not like what I'm talking about, steps one, two, and three. It actually does take time, effort, and uh, it takes listening, and that's really what social media was born on, which was data mining. So for business owners, um, and that's why I'm launching on my on my back end of my site um, starting in October, I'm launching from October through about, let's say, January, February, six different courses, all kind of crash courses, all 
very much for smaller business owners or, you know, business owners that have small businesses that are growing. So that's, you know, I think a small business owner versus someone that is either a mid-market decision maker or I've worked with enterprise level C-levels um, and their education is much, much different. You know, they've been in the game right. for a while. They're probably not seeing results and um, it's really about helping them to identify, you know, like for example, I've worked with many manufacturing companies who've been doing business in a great way for a really long time in an old school kind of what I call like boys network of selling, but haven't used the web. So they need to think in a different way, um, but still leverage their own business processes. Can you share a little bit about yourself to our guests? Sure. So once upon a time, I was a physical therapist and I had a few bright ideas. So before I knew it, I became an entrepreneur. And over the course of time, I had three fabulous companies and each one of them grew exponentially. So for example, one of them was an infomercial company that sold hair products for uh, African-Americans and Hispanics. And within the first six months, we sold $12 million worth of product. So as you can imagine, that's kind of astronomical growth. And what I learned was that a person who's a physical therapist without any business experience really can get into a lot of trouble. So as good as those companies were, I literally almost grew broke three times. So I had to learn something about business at that point. So that was my beginning. And then for the last 15 years, I've been guiding uh, companies in growing and succeeding and working with their people, their strategy, their execution, and their cash management. So that's who I am. Well, that's, that's terrific. Um, your logo says scaling for growth is um, a big five for life enterprise. Can you tell more about the big five? Sure. So a few years ago, when the economy was really down, I met a fellow by the name of John Strzelecki, who is an author of uh, several books. One of them is The Why Cafe, and another one is The Big Five for Life. And it's really all about knowing your purpose for existing, your own purpose, your business's purpose. And then, what are the five things that you want to uh, experience or do in your life so that at the end of your life, you could say your life was a success? And that doesn't just mean money. It could be anything that you aspire to doing. And companies that instill the big five into their, with their employees really attract the right people and they retain them as well because the company then acknowledges their employees as people and find out what, you know, what interests them and what their big five would be so that they could support them. So we're a big five for life enterprise now. John has been very popular in the Netherlands and Germany. In fact, his book is one of his books, The Big Five for Life, has been on the bestseller list for 116 weeks. And wow. uh, another one of his books, uh, The Y Cafe, is also number one. So there's Big Five for Life coaches all over the world, but not in North America. 